Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, Oregon's DOT had 99 systems. Now it's got one. We have one integrated solution instead of 99 different systems like we had before uh, we embarked on this endeavor. Technology is only a part of the overall modernization conversation. While technology will provide the tools to allow for this needed transformation, technology cannot be thought of as the panacea. There is nothing that we can magically unbox, plug in, fix everything with, especially all by ourselves. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Alabama will funnel $83 million into expanding broadband across the state. Governor Kay Ivey says the initiative will connect nearly 3,000 miles of new and existing fiber infrastructure over the next three years. It's going to be funded by money from the American Rescue Plan Act. Police in San Francisco will soon be able to access live footage from thousands of privately owned security cameras. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors approved a policy that will allow police officers to request temporary access to private surveillance cameras for a 24-hour period. The department says that they will submit quarterly reports of all live monitoring requests to the city's board of supervisors and the police commission. Cloud vendor Amazon Web Services is introducing a, quote, smart city credential. The new competency credential is intended to help customers identify partners with experience deploying cloud solutions to improve urban infrastructure, spatial planning, and city governance. You can read these stories and more at statesgroup.com. You'll also find links in today's show notes. Oregon's Driver and Motor Vehicle Services Division's efforts to modernize its services is a nominee for this year's NACIO State IT Recognition Awards. The awards recognize exceptional projects and initiatives undertaken by state and local governments. The Service Transformation Program in Oregon replaces core legacy systems and introduces several new self-service options for customers and businesses. Benjamin Kahn is the Innovation and Planning Manager for the Oregon Department of Transportation. He tells State Scoop's Colin Wood about how the project got started and what's coming next. Back in about 2000, uh, maybe 2012, when they started this project or started thinking about this project, we were still using systems from the 60s and 70s. They were mainframe systems developed in COBOL, and it was very difficult for them to adjust those systems or modify those systems so that they could uh, do the things that we needed to do. The legislature had lots of demands. uh, for us, uh, things they wanted to do. Um, we had federal guidelines that we needed to adhere to, and we weren't able to uh, keep up with all that with our legacy systems. Plus, um, our new um, or newly hired developers had trouble uh, using COBOL. We had to bring people out of retirement to help us fix things. Um, it was just very difficult. And then new staff that came on board uh, to work at the front line for DMV. Uh, they had difficulty using the, the new system. It would take about 18 months for them to learn the, the green screens. A lot of them didn't have labels. Um, we didn't have the uh, fees built into the system, so they had to memorize the fees. So it was just very difficult um, for us to serve our customers with any efficiency. And you know, DMV is the first place a lot of people come to when they when they move to Oregon. It's their first experience with mm. state government, and we wanted to have a better, uh, we wanted to have more opportunities to better serve our customers. 
Right. Okay. So before we get into the implementation of the project and some of the challenges you face and so forth, could you give a, just briefly uh, an idea, a description of what things look like today? Today is much, much better. We have um, a more responsive technology. So we have the ability to modify our system based on uh, the current situation, whether it's COVID uh, pandemic, whether it's wildfires, and we need to come up with a system that allows us to uh, uh, mail out IDs and, and driver's licenses to people who maybe lost them in fires. Uh, we have a very uh, responsive system today. We have one integrated solution instead of 99 different systems like we had before uh, we embarked on this endeavor. Uh, we're able to have, um, we have a lot more online services, so people are able to uh, do, have self-service options and don't have to come to a DMV anymore. New employees can figure out the system in a matter of weeks instead of months because it's much like uh, Amazon or other systems that they might use uh, online. And we keep adding more online services. So we, we recently added driver's license renewal online and we're looking to install kiosks across the state to help people so they don't have to go to a DMV, uh, can, can get their product at night or on the weekends. So it's allowed us to take a giant leap forward and now we're still moving forward with more services to help Oregonians. Right, great. All right, so let's back up a little bit. Um, as you were going about implementing this, what were the, ch the main challenges or considerations as you uh, kind of started chipping away at this problem? Right. Um, some of the challenges that we faced, we had millions of records that we had to convert over from COBOL uh, systems to the new system. And that uh, definitely uh, took us a while. That was the thing we learned um, from other states who have gone down this road is one of the more difficult pieces. And so we had to uh, we did some what we call mock conversions where we uh, practice moving data over and then we would um, uh, delete the data once we moved it over just to practice. It still took us uh, almost um, two and a half days of <clears throat> solid transfer of data to get that done. And another thing that uh, was challenging was we had to take people, our best people, and put them on the project as subject matter experts and then the place where they came from at DMV, we had about 50 staff that we pulled from different areas. Our model was if it isn't going to hurt, we don't want them from your team. So we got the, the best people and uh, and then we had to leave some of the best people behind to kind of run those units as well. And and that was a struggle for DMV for the, the two 18 month rollouts that we went through. Mm -hmm. We did the vehicle system first and then we did the driver system. So that was difficult. We had uh, to interface with multiple new interfaces. Uh, the AMVA system, uh, which uh, is the um, federal system that oversees all the DMVs across the uh, United States and Canada. We had to interface with multiple systems there so that we can make sure that when someone came in, they were who they say they were, that they didn't have a driver's license in another state, also tracking make sure their passport was authentic and, and other things. So that took a while to get those interfaces to work. Uh, but we did uh, work with a commercial off-the-shelf system. So we didn't build something from scratch. We took something that was already working in other states 
and then we configured it to meet our needs. And like I said, we did two 18-month rollouts, um, and that was uh, pretty fast, um, but we were able to rely on the vendor's expertise. And then we had, like I said, 50 of our staff involved in, in configuring and testing and training folks on the new system. Right. Uh, do you remember what the other, who the other states were that you looked at? Uh, we did do some uh, analysis when we were looking for a, a good piece of software. Um, we did an RFP and a request for a proposal, and we went to uh, New Mexico, uh, went to Utah, and to Arkansas, and talked to them and, and solved the systems that they were using in their states. And um, it was really cool at uh, at New Mexico. We actually got there this the day uh, that they rolled out their um, the complete system and they were fine having us there. Usually when I'm going live with a new system, I don't want anyone nearby. I mean, <laughs> we run into issues and we're trying to figure out the best way to move forward, but we were there to watch and um, it was very successful. In New Mexico, once they implemented their new system, <clears throat> they brought wait times down from an hour um, on average down to about 20 minutes um, just because it was a more efficient system. And um, the other thing that we were able to do is we had, in our legacy system, we had two separate systems, a vehicle system and a driver system. And when someone came in to renew their registration, they might have a, a driver's license that was also due, but because we had two different systems, we didn't know that. Now we have one comprehensive system and we can, when we pull up someone's name, we can see right away that maybe they have something that's due um, that they're not really there for. And we can say, hey, while you're here, would you like to take care of this as well? And that really saves people a lot of angst and not they don't have to come back in the future. <clears throat> the other thing we're able to do now is um, we have notes in our system. Um, we have a customer uh, experience, a tracking system where we can put notes down if they made a phone call maybe earlier in the week and had a question, we can write down how we answered that question. So when they show up to a DMV, we can look up their history and say, oh, I see this mm -hmm. is what you're here for. I see this is what we told you. Yes, we can move forward with this. So it's really nice, especially um, it helps with a lot of different things, but it helps with fraud as well. And, and it helps us make sure that customers don't have to repeat themselves multiple times. Right. You mentioned an off-the-shelf system. Uh, can you share what you're using? Yeah, we purchased a commercial off-the-shelf uh, software package from Fast Enterprises, um, and uh, that's a uh, that system utilizes uh, Visual Basic and .NET and C# -sharp technology. And uh, like I said, it took us about thirty um, about thirty six months to complete the full system implementation. Uh, we used um, Project Management Institute project management methodology to guide the project. And we used an iterative approach. In the past, we've done the waterfall method where we would go off into a, a room, you know, I mean, not in a room, but we'd go off and work on a system for two years or three years and then come back and say, here it is, what do you think? And sometimes our uh, customers weren't thrilled with the system. But now what we do is we implement pieces at a time. They can test it. They can say, yeah, that's exactly what we want. Or no, we were thinking it'd be more like this and we can make changes to it and, and everything. Um, it is more iterative um, approach and allows us to uh, reach our goals sooner. Um, it's a little different model and we had to get used to that because sometimes when you're testing iterative products, um, 
they don't always work perfectly the first time you test them, but um, you keep going through that process and working with our developers. Uh, I thought that was a successful part of our project. Mm -hmm. uh, I found out about this project through NASIO's State IT Recognition Awards, and I'm looking at the your application for a uh, your application for that right now. And uh, the there's a little chart here that's uh, it kind of it's uh, kind of a stark illustration of of one of the impacts of of this is it has before and after launch, uh, like how many things were done uh, online and so forth. Could you speak to that a little bit? Explain the the changes that you saw on that front after after launch. Yeah, we've seen an immediate adoption of our online services. We went live in in July of 2020. You know, not the best time to go live with a new system because we were in the middle of a pandemic. And a, and a few months before we went live, uh, we found out that you know there was the pandemic and we had to reduce the number of people that came into our field offices to have social distancing. And that meant that we had to implement an appointment system. And that was, wasn't really part of our plan, but because we had uh, a modern system that was that used responsive technology, we were able to make some changes on the fly. And so before we went live, uh, six months before we went live, uh, you could not schedule an appointment with DMV. Uh, the six months after we went live, over 730,000 people were able to schedule appointments. Um, there were some other uh, online services that we added as well. We added replacing your driver's license or ID cards before we went live. It was zero um, that used that product because we didn't have it. And after we went live, there was about 80,000 folks who, who were able to use that in that first six months. Um, since then, much, much more people have used it. Uh, you're able to uh, reinstate, uh, pay your reinstatement fees. So maybe you had a, a suspended license, you got it all taken care of, and then you moved to another state and you can't get your license in that other state. In the past, you had to come to a DMV in Oregon and pay your reinstatement fees. Now you can pay those online anywhere you want. Uh, we That went from zero to 25,600. Uh, we also allowed you to purchase your driving record online that um, again went from zero to about forty thousand, and uh, lots of other things as well. So um, it's pretty exciting. We now are able to renew your. Um, you're able to renew your driver's license online. Um, we have lots of other online services that we've added recently, getting replacement stickers for your license plate, things like that. And we're cons considering many more in the future, as. At, similar to the banking industry, uh, people used to go to the bank to do everything. Now they have apps. Now they use online banking. Um, they don't go to the bank as much as they used to. You can take a picture of your check now and, and deposit it. And we want to uh, kind of follow that model in that we don't. While we love seeing you at the DMV, we'd rather have you be able to get on with your life and, and not be in the way. And so you can do things online on your time and not have to wait in line. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. <laughs> not, uh, yeah, the DMV's reputation being what it is. So, okay, great. Um, so is are you guys completely finished? Are there still improvements to be made? What's next for this system? Yeah, so um, the service transformation program, the, the big part was replacing our technologies, and that enabled us to do a lot more. Um, we do have a couple more things that we want to do in the future. Uh, you know, going forward, we want to... Um, implement proctored knowledge testing uh, online. So what that means is 
instead of coming to a DMV to take your written test when you're 15 years old, you can do a proctored test online. And that's pretty cool because um, during COVID, I know my kids were in, a couple of my kids were in college and they took exams online and there's a camera that watches your movement, make sure you're not cheating. Um, you can't go to other websites. Uh, you have a certain time limit. And so we are looking at using that technology uh, to allow folks to take their test online. They're not their driving test, but their written test, the knowledge test. Uh, we have a lot of uh, young adults who come in multiple times to take that knowledge test. Um, and so we want to provide a way for them to do that from home. And, and that way uh, we can serve more customers in our field offices for other types of transactions. And it's a more comfortable environment for them. Other things we're looking at is, uh, like I talked about before, we want to have self-service kiosks across the state. We're looking at implementing about 50 of those across Oregon in grocery stores and department stores so that folks can go after hours uh, on a weeknight or weekend and do their transactions, get their stickers or other things that they might need for their car, for their vehicle, and not have to wait for the DMV to open or uh, get an appointment. Right now we do appointments and we do walk-ins, but in our Portland area, it's still pretty crowded and you might have to wait an hour or an hour and a half uh, uh, to get the services that you need. Uh, and, that, and that doesn't really have to do so much with the technology, it just has to do with the uh, difficulty in hiring right now. And so we're a little bit low on staff and we're working hard to fill those positions, but uh, allowing folks to use self-service options uh, helps them meet their needs and doesn't impact us as much. Benjamin Kahn, Innovation and Planning Manager for the Oregon Department of Transportation. You can read more about him and Oregon's efforts at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can also read more about all the other projects up for NACIO State IT Recognition Awards there. I'm Jake Williams, host of Statescoop's Priorities Podcast. Next week on the show, nominees for NACIO's annual State IT Recognition Awards explain their projects and what's next for those efforts. You can subscribe to the podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Washington, D.C. Chief Technology Officer Lindsay Parker is entering her second year in the dual-hatted role of the city's IT lead and also an assistant city administrator for internal services. This role puts Parker squarely in the middle of service delivery in the city with everything from technology to HR and procurement. Parker explains how the two roles work together and ultimately lead to modernization of the city. As public tech leaders, we have a more urgent charge than maybe we've ever had. And that is to radically improve or streamline our government service offerings so as to maintain and build trust in government. We make that sound a little less daunting and more palatable to our teams by talking about unleashing the possible in today's digital world. Now, in the World Bank's recent Future of Government report, they warned that while technology will provide the tools to allow for this needed transformation, technology cannot be thought of as the panacea. There is nothing that we can magically unbox, plug in, fix everything with, especially all by ourselves. But it's a little too late. We're now being asked to be the tech leaders as well as the business process improvers, the engagement specialists, the procurement experts, the project managers, the trainers. So how are we gonna get it all done? Well, I'm Lindsay Parker. I'm closing out my fourth year as chief technology officer for DC government serving in Washington DC Mayor Muriel Bowser's cabinet. And I'm here to tell you, 
I don't have the answer yet, but maybe it's helpful to know that no one does. And I'm here to offer a few ideas about ways to organize our teams and our work to better automate government. The CTO role in DC is a bit of a misnomer, really. I'm functionally the CIO for our 100,000 user network in our city populated by 720,000 residents. You do the math, uh, but we've got 40,000 government employees, 60,000 public school students looking at us to provide uh, internet and access. As a city, county, and state, we have 90 plus agencies that do what most of you do. Uh, from our DMVs, our transportation team, our school system, safety net hospital. So when I say to our vendors and potential partners, if you can make it work in DC, it'll really work anywhere. When I talk to my colleagues, our employees, our stakeholders about streamlining government services, I get a lot of quick thoughts that I'm sure that you've heard from your, your friends and colleagues as well. From colleagues, I hear it should be easy. Why can't I just do it for my own agency? Our business processes are just not compatible with that other agencies. Please don't make us work with them. And from our industry partners, we, get, we do this for our private sector clients all the time. We've been implementing these types of solutions for 30 years. You don't need in-house expertise. We offer that as a service. And in reality, for the past 30 years, as government tech leaders, we've been putting in place tech solutions to make sure that we're compliant with audits, we're compliant with legislation written by people who aren't focused on user experience. But that means each of those 90 agencies now have their own systems, their own platforms, heck, even their own data fields. And we expect residents to figure out where to find the service they need, whether that's in person, on the phone, or on one of 10,000 web pages with the same number of web applications. Those online applications have exponentially increased during COVID. Now our employees and our residents have even more alphabet soup to weed through to do their jobs or ask for a service. But we did see some things during COVID that helped us. Uh, we partnered with our Department of Health and were able to co-create valuable solutions that led to transformative outcomes really a continuously improving vaccination pre-registration and scheduling system that we just turned back on for monkeypox, a call center that walked residents through the same process that others were seeing online, uh, but on the phone uh, and in multiple languages, if online wasn't practical for them to get to. Uh, and then we transitioned that experience to COVID centers where we streamlined the experience we first had to gatekeep online into an in-person experience that's quick and painless. So as a resident of DC or an employee of DC government, you can walk into a COVID center in each of our eight wards, grab a rapid test, get a PCR test, snag a vaccine, catch up on your boosters, not to mention get a mask. But the first week that we had 6,000 COVID vaccinations here in Washington, DC, we saw 7 million clicks at the same time on our scheduling application. And even though the 6,000 vaccination appointments ran out in less than 20 minutes, meaning the system worked, the user error messages, the sluggishness of the system, the frustration of not getting an appointment, that made national news. If you were a DC resident and already vaccine resistant, you weren't coming back to that darn site to get another appointment. I'll wait, you thought. And that trust in government eroded ever so slightly. We got back on track really fast and added a pre-registration system within the week. So we would only invite a certain number of people to select an appointment. 
And we ended up seeing almost 140,000 people get shots in arms before the vaccine became so widely available that people could walk in for a vaccine without an appointment. There wasn't even an online article though about that. So I tell anyone who will listen, the public sector, especially local government, tech solutions have to be more reliable, more secure, more accessible than those private sector solutions that sometimes were sold. Thinking it will probably fit our needs because it worked for a private sector enterprise or a consumer product. But please know, we have to guarantee that our systems won't go down. Think about 911. Won't get hacked, can be accessed in all languages. Side note, when you tell me that Amharic isn't available on your platform, you're telling me that I, if I select your product, then I have to break the law. Uh, we have to guarantee that our systems are gonna work even if the user doesn't have an email, even if that user doesn't have a credit card, and with whatever browser and operating system combination that that user can afford. Uh, those are the road, roadblocks that are up against a tech solution that we have to make sure uh, we get rid of. And so moving forward, we're working to bring about simple, secure, and accessible solutions so we can help build and, main, and maintain trust in government, uh, which is more important today than maybe ever before. And so here are just a few ways that we've been thinking about it uh, within our organization. Uh, one, we thought about the people getting the work done. Uh, with Mayor Bowser's help, we restructured our teams and we found funding to do just that. So that if we're building a new solution for you or an agency, you can work with a collaborative partner now that understands our enterprise platforms, our enterprise data, and our enterprise capabilities all on one team. And that's our digital services team. Uh, two, we snagged a consultant to bring us lessons learned. Right? We brought in someone to help us learn how to think differently, bust up our old ways of working, so we can provide innovative solutions, leveraging a diverse set of problem-solving skills. Essentially, we, we made ourselves a little toolkit, a roadmap uh, to think through uh, these new ways of working. Third, we're sharpening our collaboration skills. We brought together agencies to ensure that they're working together to solve common problems and provide cohesive experiences, right? The no wrong door approach. Um, if somebody goes and asks for help at our transportation office, but it turns out it's a ticketing issue and our DMV is the one that takes care of it, uh, we can't blame the user for not knowing that. We've got to make sure that that process is seamless. Uh, fourth, we came up with our first product. Uh, a new business portal, right? Really thinking about how we were gonna get our economy back on track. We knew that we needed to make things easier for our small businesses uh, to do business with government. Uh, we're learning lessons really on how to create a single point of entry for divergent processes and different service domains, right? Those 90 plus agencies, uh, how do we make sure that they're uh, getting the information they need to, to provide the service, but we're doing it in a way um, that our customer, our, our, our resident expects. And fifth, we need to increase access to the internet, right? Uh, if we're doing all this work to improve our online services, we really wanna make sure that everyone has uh, the ability to get online. And so we're working to find creative ways to increase competition, both through uh, the Build Back Better um, bipartisan infrastructure law uh, and um, through some of the work that we were already doing here ourselves to really bring faster and lower cost broadband 
uh, if not free, right, through President Biden's ACP program to every resident in our city, allowing each resident equal online access to the district government, still pushing, though, to make sure your experience on the phone and in person is really akin to that streamlined online service. And six, something else that's helping our tech team move forward faster, and we're seeing the same kind of thinking in more and more places. Uh, a, a year ago, my boss, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser, let me step up to serve as the Assistant City Administrator, essentially the COO, uh, with responsibility for our internal services. Um, that's human resources, procurement, facilities, technology. Uh, I'm really leveraging that role to ensure our services inside government match the transformation we're pushing for our residents. I wanna make sure that we're a place that unicorns will flock to, that innovation, improvement, and efficiencies are the first thought when we're designing the future of how we work. Uh, we're no longer going to be an organization that defines done as a solution is in place, right? Instead, we're gonna push for constant and consistent improvement. The end result will be a government that operates effectively for our residents, our businesses, our employees, our visitors, and our families. So if you're looking for a new place to work, or you've got friends or colleagues or mentees thinking about where to go next, I can't say enough about working for a local government right now, uh, especially a place like DC government. Uh, there's no other place where an idea on Monday can be designed, developed, and launched by Friday and immediately begin to positively impact people's lives by that Friday. We saw it over and over again during the pandemic, and we're looking for ways to harness that energy, rethink government services that are fit for the future. So come join us and remember uh, to thank a public servant today. Lindsay Parker, Chief Technology Officer and Assistant City Administrator for Washington, D.C., in an edited segment from her keynote at State Scoop and Ed Scoop's IT Modernization Summit. You can read more about her and modernization at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can also see the full version of her remarks in those links, too. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.